This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast Mailbag here on this Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Hope everyone is doing well. We're halfway through the week here, and uh, the holidays quickly approaching. It's snowing up here in upstate New York. Wherever you are, I hope it is not snowing. Or maybe you love the snow and, you know, God love you. Um, but uh, I cannot wait. I'll be going to Florida in just a few months, just for a few nights um, with uh, with a couple of buddies. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time for because this is really the first time in two years I've been able to actually have somewhat of a break and not play dad or... Uh, you know, play uh, play provider of the family and just actually relax on a beach, get a nice buzz going on. And uh, But that is then, this is now, and we're going to get into the mailbag in just one second. But as a reminder, if you want to go ad-free on Apple, there's a massive special going on that I just released and launched a few days ago, 99 cents a month. Or if you take the yearly option, $9.99 for a year of this show ad free. Uh, so yeah, if you don't like the ads and you just want to secure the next year, $9.99 for the year or you can just do month to month at 99 cents. You may say, "Where do you do that?" Easy, you go to the Apple Podcast app and go to the top of our page in our feed and there should be a get rid of those pesky ads button. You'll see it. Click it if you're interested in doing that. Um, we have significantly reduced the price. And uh, essentially just to get more people on board and, and just to understand the benefits of going ad free. You don't have to skip through. You don't have to do any of that. Uh, just, you know, cussing when another ad comes on, whatever it may be. So one little plug there. But let's dive into the mailbag here because we've got a, a decent amount of stuff to get through tonight. And I actually do want to switch things a little bit this week. Uh, Randy, I promise you're up next. But I want to start with uh, our, our patron here, Josh Hand. So. Josh writes in, by the way, another benefit of going on Patreon, you get your email right up front. <laughs> Josh writes in, he says, hey, Matt, how's it going? Been a couple weeks, busy, busy. Hope everyone is everyone listening is doing great. Just curious what your thoughts are on cage matches. Honestly, the door needs to be locked, in my opinion, for no, and no pins for the win. Only ways to climb out. More times than not, they get out the door and it's, well, stupid. Big E and KO put on a great match, but man, I can't stand the spots where they act like they can't climb out or let the other guy uh, get to them. Like ladder matches. I think it's more believable when you beat the crap out of somebody to where they won't get up and then climb just one at a time, one rung at a time to get out. What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, Josh, I gave this these thoughts in a pretty... Pretty uh, decent detail last night on my Raw review, and here's my take. I agree with most of what you said. It's stupid that you can walk out a door. It makes no sense that not only can you walk out the door, but the referee opens it for you. <laughs> um, and so I agree with you on that. But where I would take it further is that there is no – the method – of victory, the path to victory 
should take place inside the steel cage. The steel cage is designed to keep people in and to keep others out. So why should any method of victory be uh, in, in direct contrast with the purpose of the cage? That's my whole point. Why should running away from your opponent be a way <clears throat> to win the match? I, I, I'm not of that proponent. Now, if you're going to have a method of victory be to escape the cage, I can live with that if the, if the walking out the door goes away. For me, I would make it pinfall or submission only inside the steel cage. Escaping the cage does not render a victory. And if you go outside the cage, fine, but it's not pinfall. Pinfalls count anywhere. It would be everything has to end inside the ring. That's how I would do it anyway. So, okay. Uh, also, with Lashley attacking KO Seth and Big E, do you think we'll find our way into the match? Uh, he'll find his way into the match at day one. If so, sign me up. It would be cool if it was, if it was a fatal four-way elimination, but WWE isn't that creative anymore. Well, I'll say this. I, I don't think there's any situation in which Lashley is not a part of this WWE championship match at day one. Whether it's a fatal four-way elimination or a straight-up fatal four-way Remains to be seen. Um, I, I still believe it won't be an elimination. And the reason is that it protects Big E even further. Now, I, I'm fine with an elimination fatal four-way. In, in some ways, it's more interesting. But they're really going to be all about protecting Big E in this. In his loss, hopefully, of dropping the WWE Championship, I believe that they will do and, and take every measure to protect Big E. So that would mean that if there is an elimination stipulation added to the Fatal 4-Way, that Big E is one of the final two. And it comes down to Seth and Big E. But the problem with that is, now Big E is directly involved in his loss of the championship. So, if you're going to protect Big E, unless someone comes out to screw Big E, which is possible, Assuming that's not the case, because we're like three levels deep here where we don't even have a fatal four-way yet. Bobby Lashley's not in the title picture yet. We don't have a fatal four-way yet. It's not an elimination, and it's not the final two of sets. See where things just kind of fall into this assumption trail? <laughs> How quickly we all just uh, just create assumptions into a conclusion that hasn't even taken step one yet. But follow follow with me here. I think this is a logical, reasoned, um, a reasonable assumption, I should say. So, assuming that it comes down to Seth and Big E in an elimination uh, stipulation of Fatal 4-Way, then you have to have somebody come out and screw Big E because you can't have Seth straight up beat Big E, at least in Vince's eyes. I'd be fine with it. I think that there are too many cheap heel wins that really deduct from the credibility of of the heels. Heels don't always have to cheat to win. It's just one method that they have available, which is why being a heel is so flexible. I, I would love to be a heel. If you're going to put me in a, a wrestling promotion, I would choose to be a heel. It's so much easier in my mind. Just you, the freedom is there. You don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of other things. So that's what I think. Uh, that, that's what I think, buddy. I think uh, and, and I think that you're going to ultimately see Seth regain the WWE championship, win it from Big E. But I don't know if the elimination would uh Help Biggie or hurt him? I think it would hurt him in the eyes of protecting his um, his character is really what they're going to prioritize in his loss because they don't want him involved in, in the decision directly so that he can and the announcers can point to that very fact. So thanks, Josh. 
Hope all is well with you. Let's get to Randy. And Randy, I know it's weird going second here, but I uh, just thought I'd uh, thought I'd actually shake things up this week. So Randy says, it's Randy the patron here. First, Liv and Becky, so happy. Was a good match and Liv looked, Liv looked great. I can't wait to see what they do next. You think they'll make Liv win at day one or wait till WrestleMania? Okay, before I get to your next question, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> that You know, because I, I still stand by this, that they're still testing the waters. I still believe that. Now, as I mentioned last night on Raw, for about 20 minutes, I opened the show talking about how great the build was to this when I didn't expect to be emotionally invested like I was. And I think that they're still going to see how social media reacts and see how the people in the arena react to uh, Liv. Do they truly want Liv or was she more of kind of a feel-good story but no real attachment there? That said, if there's a real attachment, and I actually think that there will be, and that the fans truly emotionally react to her in a big way, then it you you could go to Mania. You, you could, absolutely. I think more of maybe Rumble time. The reason I say that, I know that may be sounding super sped up, but WWE has no patience. And four months till uh, WrestleMania in WWE's eyes, hell, they can't even... They can't even look past four minutes, you know, like from minute to minute, what they're going to do. Scripts being changed last second and torn up and Vince mumbling. Expect the unexpected. And I I mean, Vince is Vince is uh, just almost unintelligible at times on on camera. And again, I I ranted about that a little bit on the uh, podcast last night. And really one of the only few things I didn't like about Raw was Vince McMahon's segment that just continues to make zero sense. I mean, outside Austin Theory and what he did, uh, pairing himself with Finn Balor, which is fine, and I think it's going to be a great match. I just don't understand what Mr. Babbling, uh, geriatric Vince McMahon is doing right now. Why isn't on TV? Is he trying to just essentially handpick who he thinks is going to be the next big star by having that person on camera with him and in just pointless segments of him coming into an office and sitting there and just sitting under the learning tree of Vince? to feed his ego. Like, what is this? And why aren't people standing up to Vince? He did. He just get slapped and take it. And I thought this was WWE. This is the land of just anything could happen, right? That's what you just said. I, I don't understand this. And then and on top of it, you get Mr. Mumbo Jumbo, Mr. Raspy voice and kind of doesn't enunciate his words very well anymore at all. And, and it's, it's also just, yeah, it's weird right now with Vince. I don't understand for all his returns he's made in all of his years of that I've been watching anyway. I've never seen him return for this pointless of a reason. Now, of course, many people out there would say, "Well, let's let's see what let's see what happens. Let's see what happens." At this point, like I said, unless it's if it ends up somehow awkwardly being a return of a major star, then I'll accept it. But it's been so bad <clears throat> and really just kind of painful to watch that I don't, unless it is something of that caliber, I don't care what the payoff is. This is awful. Seeing Vince in this state and trying to listen to him. Anyway, I'm, that wasn't even your question. <laughs> See how, Randy, sorry. Um, I'm reeling myself back in here, but I, here's what I think they'll make them do. Or here's how long I think we'll wait. I think it's Royal Rumble. I think she will try to... Um, challenge Becky at Rumble, she might actually get the match, or 
Or here, here's a sign for you, Randy. If Liv doesn't enter or does enter the Rumble, if Liv does enter the Rumble, I think she could uh, win the Rumble and then force Becky to give her the rematch. That's possible. So if after day one, um, on January 2nd, wait, isn't it? Hold on. Isn't January? No, January 3rd, because January 1st is actually a, a Saturday. It's not a Sunday. So on January 3rd, Monday Night Raw, where does Liv go? What's her direction? Is she talking about entering the Rumble or is she talking about directly challenging Becky again? Okay, moving on. Next uh, four-way coming. Didn't even think about Bobby for that. Thought it would be Finn. So who do you think gets pinned, Kevin or Bobby? Kevin. I don't even have to think about that twice. Kevin Owens (laughs) for so many reasons. And again, we all believe that he's leaving. Like what if he isn't leaving? Even if he – I don't think he's leaving – uh, even if even if we go on that that assumption that Kevin Owens isn't actually leaving and he signed an extension with WWE, they have not really treated Kevin Owens to the level that I think he deserves, and he has a habit of losing big matches, especially championship matches. So Kevin Owens takes the pinfall here. He was designed to take the pinfall from the beginning as a scapegoat and protection for Big E's character. End of story. Plus, they also want to uh, protect Bobby because... Again, assuming this fatal four-way happens, because I think they're getting Bobby ready for Lashley or for uh, Brock Lesnar. So, Riddle was on NXT, LOL, uh, to help mask, uh, to help uh, mask as the guru. I think it was. Okay, I, I didn't see it. Didn't even think of him. But did you catch Johnny's speech? Was interesting, and now has me wondering what they're going to do. Uh, funny you mentioned that. I didn't catch the speech itself. I just posted a show uh, that Zach Smith did. He sent it to me earlier, uh, about a half hour before I recorded this, about Johnny Gargano and his final speech to uh, the, to the NXT fans. Um, it seems as if he's moving on. Um, now, what does that mean? I, I don't watch the NXT product, so I don't know if it means to the main roster or if he's just done with WWE. I don't know. I don't know. But I, So I can't comment on that, Randy. Go listen to Zach's... Uh, Zach's NXT analysis. He will give you the goods there. Last, heard they're bringing back Tough Enough. What are your thoughts? Honestly, could work. Uh, honestly, I think it could work. You get some good talent out of that. But if it's not the indie scene, then where? That's it for this week, Randy. Thank you, Randy. And I heard about that too, that they have trademarked the Tough Enough name or, or logo or something again. I did hear that. So Tough Enough kind of, Tough Enough is weird. It, like, it comes and goes there's never a consistent season. It's just whenever they feel like resurrecting it again, they're where they're like, yeah, we haven't done that tough enough thing in a while. Let's bring that back. If someone ever like every like five years brings it up and they're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We had that show that we, we could do it better this time. And you know, they, it just feels like they just bring it out of the blue every five or six years. Uh, so I'm fine with it. It's fun to watch. Plus seeing the stars interact with, uh, you know, interact with the, the the newbies, the wannabes. It's fun. You know, Stone Cold, I think, hosted it the last time. That was fun to watch. So, all right. So, Randy, thank you. Let's get to the G-Man. And G-Man writes in. I want to make sure I get this uh, message right from G-Man. And he writes in and says, I'm so, so proud for Liv Morgan. That main event she had with Becky was absolutely special, and that video package with Liv was so amazing. It made me tear up, no lie. I'm not ashamed of it. 
I'm rooting for this girl so bad, and I believe it will either be Liv or Sasha currently right now that will win the Rumble. Those are the two favorites, I would agree. Either way, Liv will be a champion in 2022. Since being a fan of hers back in NXT in 2014, this is a very exciting time to be a Liv Morgan fan. She passed her first test for sure. I believe what's going to happen at day one with Roman Reigns. Okay, before we get into the Roman Reigns, I want to just comment on your emotional reaction to that uh, video package. I had a a similar reaction. That's why I said, you know, something's wrong with me. You know, I... Out of nowhere, I'm suddenly getting emotional about, about Liv Morgan. It, it was weird. Now, I know that she is a sentimental favorite, but that that was, uh, that, I agree. I totally agree with you on that, and that she will be a champion in 2022. I don't think there's two ways about it. Liv Morgan should be champion in 2022, definitely not beforehand, and maybe not until later in 2022, meaning like even WrestleMania. It really depends on how fans take to her. The fans are going to be the ones that drive this. Truly, I know that they always say it's very cliche to say the fans have all the power, but in this case, especially in this case, they do. Especially, so I, I, I'm very excited to see where this goes, especially after an, an excellent, excellent uh, match they had. Yes, some blunders, but the storytelling was point on or on point, on fleek, as the kids say. So, um, I believe what's going to happen at day one with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is I believe Adam Pierce is going to cost Brock the match. And right when Brock goes after Pierce, Walter is going to come in and attack Brock. That sets up a match at WrestleMania. How awesome would that be? Okay. I like the premise, but here's the problem here. We want to know the problem. You want to know what the problem is or more specifically who the problem is? Vince McMahon. Now I don't, I really don't know if Vince understands the value of Walter. Uh, And the fact that he's, will argue and would argue that Bobby Lashley in terms of star power has Walter beat and what's WrestleMania about star power typically. So I think that Brock is going to probably end up facing Lashley because that's the bigger matchup in a lot of fans eyes and in really Vince McMahon's eye, most importantly, but Walter eventually should face Brock. I totally agree, but I don't think it's going to be a WrestleMania that said, Adam Pierce, I want to see him screw with Brock Lesnar on purpose and then Brock Lesnar just bludgeon him. Yes. As I've said, Adam Pierce getting beat up by Brock is so fun to watch. Thank you, G-Man, for your contributions this week. Let's get to our next patron, Jeremy Snyder, uh, a newer patron to the show here. And he says, hey, Matt, thanks for the shout out on Sundays. If, and if anyone need, is, is on the fence about getting Patreon, you should definitely get it. It's a dollar a month for ad free and it's 100% worth it. Uh, thanks for saying that. Um, your, your check's in the mail. Anyways, I just got started getting back into wrestling after going to SmackDown in Norfolk, Virginia a few weeks ago. Isn't it? Nor- it's not Norfolk. I just, uh-oh. I just Michael cold it, didn't I? It's Norfolk. Whoops. <laughs> I'm going to get scalded. It's Norfolk, not Norfolk. Got it. Uh, the show was awesome, and the place went crazy when Jeff Hardy hit the Swanton Bomb on Sammy. So you and Amanda Jin, another uh, uh, co-host on the show who does the uh, news brief, must have been there at the same time. That said, uh, this might sound silly, but I recently quit drinking and watching wrestling and listening to your podcast helped me keeps my mind busy most nights instead of thinking about drinking. Uh, well, first, um, that's awesome. Uh, you know, that not only wrestling, but this show, of course, can help you stay sober. And um, drinking is keeping things 
I guess, uh, and under control drinking wise is, um, can be very difficult, right? Because that urge never goes away. I'm not an alcoholic. Okay. I never was an alcoholic. Did I have a problem in college? I think most people did, but either you grow out of it or you stay in it. And I luckily was able to grow out of it. Um, and I'm not saying that people who drink are immature, but it's just kind of a stage of life. Um, and I don't know if that's your case, Jeremy, you know, that's, that's your business. But the point is that if we can help you, albeit a small bit to keep yourself on the, the straight and narrow, very cool, brother. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way in any way, um, because that is a serious issue. And really, I think of one that's not talked about enough that a lot of people have is, uh, you know, drinking, um, among other stuff. I'm not trying to bring the show down. In fact, this does, I think, elevate the show um, because we're able to help you, all of us, not just me, every co-host and all the listeners to make this show what it is. Jeremy, so brother, stay stay strong, not easy, because especially right when you're when you're bored, what do they say? The devil's work is done with uh, with idle hands or something like that, where you're when you're bored, you end up doing things usually that you shouldn't do because your mind kind of goes to the pleasures of life. And it does, it, it kind of wanders into areas that you probably shouldn't be in. I mean, we all have our own vices. I know I do. Um, and so it's, you know, just keep it, keep it, uh, keep it here, brother. Keep it here, Jeremy. And we will, we've gotten enough content. We got hundreds, of, really over a thousand now episodes of this show. So if you want to binge our show to stay sober, brother, go for it. And that's awesome. Okay. For the question, uh, my, ma- my mailbag is, in your opinion, what was the best pay-per-view from the from the past year? Whoa. Whoa, cool. That is quite a wide question. What do I think is the best pay-per-view of this past year? You know what I'm going to do, Jeremy? And I don't mean to punt this down uh, the field, so to speak, as a football reference, given that I'm very angry at my fantasy football team. Um, I will be doing an entire episode on the top five pay-per-views you know what yeah let's do the top five i'll do the top five pay-per-views of the year as a year-end closeout um in the next week or so i'll be doing that how about that you just inspired me i would i didn't plan on it but it kind of is a slam dunk to do how how does a wrestling podcast not have a top five wrestling moments or pay-per-views of the year kind of a year-end closeout so jeremy that's what i'm gonna do because off the top of my head i don't want to give you kind of a crap answer or something that just is not true so how about that I'm going to do a, uh, a year-end closeout of the best, the top five pay-per-views of 2021. Thanks, Jeremy. Stay, uh, stay sober, and uh, let's continue on. And this is from also a, a newer patron. And this is from Mike from uh, Cumbria in England. Boy, I am, I'm awful with pronunciations. I mean, I, 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 don't, I really don't deserve to be speaking the English language. Um, so for my first time in the mailbag, yes, it is. So Mike from, you know, I'm going to say Mike from England. I can't screw that up. Just a couple quick pointers for this week. Number one, love edge was wearing a faith. No more t-shirt. Didn't notice that, you know, I'm not what some people, and I, you know, I probably should be more observant. Some people live and die by the gear that the wrestlers wear. It's like, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of this. I'm not you know, speaking down on this at all. In fact, I'm kind of jealous that people notice these details. Um, and that's cool. Like, uh, you know, and I did not notice edge was wearing a, a faith, no more t-shirt. I didn't, uh, or if I did, it's buried in my subconscious, but a more broad topic about this is I have friends 
who are wrestling fans that the first thing they talk about is the gear they're wearing, what it says on this this uh, this side of their their gear, and what this means here, and this is a tribute to this person who's no longer here, and look at the color scheme here. Doesn't this mean that? I don't break that stuff down at all. To me, it's not. I guess my brain doesn't value it as something super important to pay attention to. I'm not saying it's not. In fact, I probably should. It'd be a lot. It'd be, it'd be an interesting conversation to be able to break down the star's gear as it evolves and what it means and the shirts they wear, the shirts they don't, the what they, you know, that's cool. So um, I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent there, but uh, good stuff, Mike. Uh, number two, seems the management are resorting to slapping the stars, uh, Naomi uh, with what Sonya did to her, and Vince with Austin Fury. Wonder where they're going with that. Yeah, I, here's where they're going, uh, Mike. Nowhere. <laughs> that's the answer. They're going nowhere with that. Because they're not going to follow through on why it's okay to do that when why the stars aren't able to retaliate even in self-defense. Now, I know Sonia said to Naomi that if you lay one finger on me, I'm going to make sure you never get a paycheck again. To which I would say, okay, fine. Um, but, you know, unless you're physically provoked. If you're physically provoked, how do you not have the right to self-defense? You know, I, and I'm not trying to get political with any, you know, court cases going on in, in the world. Okay, we all know that. But that's truly what's going on here is how do you not have the right as a, as a, as a performer in storyline to self-defense? And how does a WWE official, unprovoked, have the ability to just slap a star? How does that work? Where's the board of directors? How does so, how, how is, uh, Naomi not you know, complain to them or higher up, you know, or Vince himself? But yeah, Vince did, did it himself on Raw, so I guess he allowed it with Sonya, and then he's like, you know what, I like that. Damn it, I like that. And he just decides to slap Austin Theory with no, no retaliation. None makes them look weak. All right. You're going to get me ranting on that. Number three, RK Broneman, probably uh, street profits versus RK bro at day one, or this is a push for Dominic. I hope not. Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree. I do think it's going to be street profits versus RK bro. I agree. Um, now I know that, you know, there's typically a heel versus a baby face team in this case. No, there's not. It's going to be baby face, baby face. And I'm fine with that. Um, you know, the street profits versus RK bro is probably the best matchup that they could have had with that tournament. And I say tournament lightly with only four teams in it. And that's fine. I, I don't want to see a push for Dominic unless it's as a heel. It's the only way I I'd accept it. And I've said that for a long time now. Dominic as a baby face is just painfully boring, painfully boring. Number four looks like Becky Lynch's finishing move New finishing move is a roll-up and hold the rope, and then she lifts the title upside down, which brings me to my last point. Uh, yeah, that's her new finish. That is her new finish. Is no longer the, the rock bottom. I mean the manhandle slam. It is, uh, yeah, the, uh, the roll-up with holding the ropes, which you would think if the referees who are employed by WWE would have any kind of training, they would know, okay, wait, Becky has been prone to do this. She's done this in big spots now. Let's watch out for it. But uh, apparently they only hire uh, room temperature IQ referees. I mean, that, that, that's like in the in the job description, I think. Number five. Sorry if you've already answered this before. I started listening. But my biggest hate is holding the belt upside down so the W looks like an M. Lashley used to do it. Big E does it. And at the run-up to Survivor Series, I felt like, or I felt sorry for Big E when he had his face off with Roman 
Roman was holding the belt perfect and Big E's jumping around like a clown in the ring with the belt upside down. Charlotte isn't too bad. The odd time she holds it up upside down, but Lynch was just standing there at the start of the match with the belt over her shoulder, and it was the wrong way around. Anyway, Liv Morgan, when she picked up the belt in the ring last week, raised it perfect. So on that, I want I want Liv to beat Lynch at one day one. Yeah, I agree, and I think that this was the final, finally, a turning point for Becky Lynch. We're, we're not talking about Becky here, and a lot of us should be, because it's been a kind of a weird, wonky, washy, wishy-washy turn for her. This, I think, solidified her in the heel driving lane. Um, and, and again, that that's not talked about enough. And we're all focusing on Liv. But yeah, your, your uh, critique about the belts being upside down is, is an interesting one. And one that I have been annoyed by, but I've never been annoyed at the level to actually talk about it because I know that it's not on purpose, usually. Uh, and it's just something that kind of happens. And when you're on live TV, it's not something that I'm sure that the, they're immediately conscious about. They just want to make sure they hit their spot, say what they're supposed to say, do what they're supposed to do, and be where they're supposed to be. And if the bell happens to be upside down, you know that's not intentional. They don't want it to be. It just kind of happens. Unless if it's intentional, I don't like it. Like when the Miz um, does his uh, turning the microphone upside down so the WWE becomes an M for the Miz. I, I still find that ridiculous. I'm not a fan of that, um, but outside of that, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those one of those pet peeves. I agree. Okay, uh, so let's continue on, and we have, yes, 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 guys, let's get ready to go because you know what? You want to know why? We're about to head into. We're about to head into the booth with Mr. DJ Kuzmo. Well, let's see. Let's see what DJ has to say this week. I know he's he's got he's got some stuff to say. We we know this, so let's let's get to it. Let's see what the, the, this the legend of the podcast has to say. And he says, "This is DJ Kuzmo back at it again in your mailbag show. Let's jump right into this first topic right off the bat. Liv Morgan and what's next? Are you a believer in Liv?" Are you a believer that one day Liv Morgan can become a future women's champion on Monday Night Raw? What we saw on this past Monday Night Raw was just a sample size of what is possible for Liv in terms of her peaking and reaching her full potential. She proved in this main event match that she can go toe-to-toe against Becky Lynch in a high-pressured situation for a title opportunity. With that being said, there was no chance in hell that Liv would become the Raw new Raw women's champion in this match on Monday Night Raw. But what I liked from creative was the brief hope, hope spots in the match that made me believe that Liv could probably pull off the upset win. However, with that being said, in making this not feel like a one-off feud, I want to see from creative where they, uh, where do they go with Liv from here? Does she get a rematch at day one? Or does creative put her back into being irrelevant and lost in the midcard? This storyline and feud has the potential to probably become an organic Daniel Bryan moment if booked correctly. I'm shooting my shot in saying that there will be some sort of triple threat at WrestleMania of Becky, Rhea, and Liv for the Raw Women's title. Um, and I believe that uh, will that will be Liv's moment to finally become new, the Raw Women's champion. Or it could just be another pipe dream for me, and Becky somehow escapes yet again and retains the title at WrestleMania. My God, imagine if she's still champion at WrestleMania and beyond. Holy moly. Let's go, Morgan. Let's go, Liv. Let's go, Morgan. Let's go, Liv. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they would be really re- remiss if they 
they you know m- miss the boat on this one. Like if if they don't realize that the general population, I I really believe this has received this match and program very well, and then they decide to go, okay, well that was fun, Liv. Uh, you know, have fun back in the mid card. We'll see you when we need you in like the women's battle royal, and then you'll get eliminated first. You know, like. I hope they don't do that. They would that would be absolutely atrocious. So I don't see that. You know, as bad as creative can be at times, I don't see that. I believe that they're gonna take this and make it something because she feels fresh and new, even though she's been around for seven years. She feels like she's a new player because she's coming into her own. She's in a main event spot. Um, you know, you talk about the Daniel Bryan, uh Daniel Bryan moment and the push that Daniel Bryan had. Well, here's the th- the thing though. Uh the storyline that they're they're giving us it's not organic by the very definition that they've created this storyline with Daniel Bryan. The fans were chanting Daniel Bryan's name after he got fired. Um, you know, they were making it known that they want him back and had the fans not done that WWE wouldn't have done what they did. So this, this is about as, I guess, manufacturedly organic as it can get. It's a little different than Daniel, but I understand what you're saying. Finn Balor yet again is your next topic. Okay. So for some reason, the wrestling gods had heard my rant and my concern for Finn Balor in his overall subpar win-loss record and have given Finn a victory. He defeats T-Bar, who badly needs to get repackaged because who exactly is T-Bar and what does he represent? Anyway, Finn wins, but then gets attacked from behind by Austin Theory. Quick, quick sidebar. You ever realize when a wrestler is going to get attacked from behind that the camera stays a little longer on the wrestler until the attack from behind occurs? Yes. <laughs> it's... It's now just ingrained in, in wrestling fans' minds. That if you've been watching for a while, you kind of feel it coming because we've seen that so many times. It makes sense, though, if you're creating a TV show that you want that pan of view to be as narrow as possible so the attack seems like a surprise. I agree. But in, in reality, wouldn't you want it to be you know, kind of retracted for a wide angle to see what's coming? But I get the – yes, I agree. Um, okay. So let's see, where are we at here? Uh, After years of watching wrestling, I kind of pick up on cues like that, typical cues like that, yes. Anyway, back to Finn Balor. I know this attack from behind is going to lead to a Finn Balor versus Austin theory, yes. Uh, I think, however, that Finn loses either two or three times, and then the Finn that Finn has a match against Austin theory, sad to say, probably on the pre-show of the day one pay-per-view, the overall possible outcome is that Austin theory goes over, but what it mean, what does it mean for Finn Balor since he's not had a lot of quality wins since being drafted to Monday Night Raw? Well, look, Finn Balor's on a downslide. And beating T-Bar is not exactly something I'd put on my resume, albeit it was supposed to establish him back on track. Right? It was supposed to get him back on track after going into uh, the abyss after the top rope snapping as the demon character and losing to Roman Reigns. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Now that he got his win back... All, all the wind is in his sails now that he beat T-Bar. I'm being very sarcastic. Now Austin Theory is going to come in and likely beat him a couple of times. Yes, because right now Austin Theory is, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Vince has taken a liking to this guy as like, you know, I, I don't know, he's his next protege. But we all know how fickle Vince is, and we'll see how long that lasts. But I absolutely, right now as it stands, Finn Balor is the huge underdog for Austin Theory. Imagine saying that just a couple of months ago. R.I.P. NXT Black and Gold. A moment of silence for the final nail in the proverbial coffin for the NXT Black and Gold brand. This past Sunday at War Games in the men's four-on-four War Games match, 
I pretty much saw this was probably the end of the NXT black and gold brand as we know it. After watching the conclusion of this match, where Braun Breaker spears Champa through the table and pins him one, two, three, I could clearly see that Braun Breaker is basically being booked as the main star out of NXT 2.0. By the way, uh, there are a lot of people who are talking about how Braun Breaker could be the one to beat Braun, uh, Roman Reigns down the line. And he would be the one to uh, take the Universal Championship from Roman. Just a little side note there. But, um, and I would not be surprised if Vince and Bruce Prichard decide to book Braun Breaker to, to defeat Champa for the NXT title in the early months of next year. Anyway, the future of Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano are uncertain in terms of their contract expiring soon, and they probably might join the super click on AEW with Adam Cole and Bobby Fish. Pretty much the only wrestler that is still under contract that was part of the four pillars of the NXT black and gold brand is Champa, Finn Balor's on the main roster, Adam Cole's in AEW, Johnny Gargano most likely will not be returning to NXT 2.0. It's crazy how all of these changes to NXT had occurred while Triple H was in the hospital. I don't know how different it might have been if Triple H was not in the hospital. And do you think, uh, or Zach think, what will be Triple H's role going forward under the renew the new regime at NXT? R.I.P. the NXT black and gold brand. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Uh, anyway, that's all for me here on the email portion of the mailbag. Peace. Yes, uh, I, I do see... Your yeah, your voicemail will, as always, get to that on the very beginning of our voicemail portion of the show, which should be coming very, very soon. But your your uh, your your questions about NXT. Look, I mean, you're you're talking to somebody that doesn't watch NXT much. We all know that. I don't. Zach would be the one. So uh, you know, definitely DJ, get it. Zach tweeted him, tweeted him this very question. But my take is, if you're going to ask somebody that doesn't know a whole lot about NXT and the inner workings of it, other than Triple H has been demoted many, many times, and then Bruce Prichard and Vince come in and take over, essentially, if Triple H was still in charge, this clearly wouldn't have happened. But Vince decided to sue, uh, to wake up and realize, wait a minute, we have a third brand? What is all this black and gold? I mean, I really believe that in the last, like, two months, Vince suddenly realized he had a third brand. You know, somebody just brought it up to him at a board meeting. Somebody finally had the guts to uh, to bring it up to him, and he's like, wait, we have what? I thought we only had Raw and SmackDown. What's this XNT we were talking about? <laughs> I, I mean, it's possible, right? Uh, in, in Vince's current mental state, who knows? But Triple H, if he was in charge, clearly none of this would be going on. We'll see long-term if this is for the better or worse. But uh, thank you, DJ. Let's, uh, let's get to our next emailer here not a whole lot left and by the way quick announcement the december 29th edition of the mailbag that's the one right after christmas will be the takeover show for mr and mrs casual wrestling fan so i know i snuck that in in the middle of the show here i'll make more of a big deal out of it as we go on but the mailbag takeover show with mr and mrs none other than mr and mrs casual wrestling fan will be done on the december 29th edition of of this show. So I'm really looking forward to that as many of you are as well. Okay. Let's, uh, boy, I don't think we have too many more emails, maybe just one. Um, let's see. Yep. It looks like we got one more from Dennis and he says he's got a, what if for us? Um, what if the NWO never left the WWE or WCW, who would they face now? What type of uh, championship would be around their waist? What kind of matches would you like to see them in? 
Um, yeah, so that's thank you, Dennis. We'll put that on our bank of what ifs. And your further comments. I know that Seth has it in him to win the WWE Championship at day one. Also, seeing Seth hold on to the championship for at least a year, your thoughts? Oh, hell yeah. Yes. I don't even need to hesitate or think. I don't even need a couple of brain cells for that one. Uh, hell yes. Seth as champion is money right now. And, and, and a year? Yes. Uh, Michael Ritter brought this up on his SmackDown review. The holder of the IC championship. It hasn't been defended in a long time um, or a paper, even at a, on a pay-per-view. But yeah, he likes free TV championships as well. So look, the Intercontinental Championship has unfortunately been lost in the fog. It has really been an afterthought, a championship that has more lineage than the WWE Championship. It's crazy. And it's crazy even more that it's around the waist of a man that is a credible all-world athlete and performer in Shinsuke. It's crazy. Um, would WWE stop using whip topping or any sort of food in matches? <laughs> it doesn't make sense that to me when they do. Just stick to pro wrestling, my thought on food and wrestling. If you have any thoughts on that, I'd like to hear uh, as you watch it a bit longer than I have. Have a great night. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you, you too. Yeah, I'm never... I'm never, ever a fan as a general rule when they bring food into the equation because either somebody's going to be made fun of for eating too much because that's what they did with Otis because he's a big slob apparently until they changed him into this mute brick wall that suddenly doesn't compete anymore, just stands there in a tag team. But generally it's bad because then they have food fights or it becomes extremely childish. or it's just It's never good. It's never good. Yes, keep food the hell out. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Let's see. I think that does do it for our email portion. Let me just double check because a lot of you guys sneak in and I feel bad afterwards. You sneak in these Instagram uh, messages. So let me sneak over here. Make sure that I don't have something here. Wait a minute. See? See? I knew it. I knew it. Uh, Okay. PJ. PJ Theory writes and he says, second ever message to the mailbag. By the way, you guys can send me a message on Instagram at WWE underscore podcast. Hope you're doing well. Just want to pick your brain on being a wrestling fan on in the USA and talking to other people like you talk about football or basketball. Because in Australia, it's like winning the lottery, finding another wrestling fan as no one will talk about it, but definitely will watch the show behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's like coming out of the closet. But that being said, when WWE held a super show down in Melbourne, cricket ground a couple of years ago, a lot of people from 18 to 49, the demographic, turned up compared to those low-budget house shows that ruins the storyline, which is a separate topic of mine because you remember after Lashley destroyed Kofi Kingston and was out for a good couple months ago in a storyline. Very, The very next week, they both fought again on the U.S. House show. Also, would love to listen to your political podcast of your thinking. Uh, if you're thinking of doing it in the near future, take care, PJ. <laughs> so, PJ, <laughs> great uh, message here on a couple of fronts. Number one, being a wrestling fan, everyone pretends that they're not, and then behind closed doors, they do. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. There, there are many people in Australia who do that. You know, there's many people here that do that. There's a stigma, a certain stigma that comes with being a wrestling fan that we watch the quote-unquote fake stuff. And I will say this until I'm blue in the face because nobody has an argument against this. Anybody that comes to you and says, you still watch that fake stuff? Yeah, and then 
I would say to them, okay, what shows do you like? And they rattle off a few on Netflix, whatever the cool, you know, whatever the, the, the cool latest show is, you know, whether it was Breaking Bad at one point or Game of Thrones or, or Squid Games right now is like the, the hot new thing. I would say, okay, well, um, you understand that what you're watching isn't real either, right? Like everything that is going on is scripted in your show. It's not a secret. Nobody believes pro wrestling is actually real. Like, I don't know who out there truly believes that wrestling fans believe that wrestling is actually, you know, truly competitive. Guys are trying to hurt each other type thing. So that's, to me, the, the best way to shut an argument down from somebody that's a pro wrestling hater because they know nothing about the sport other than what they've heard in stereotypes. And it's an easy way to shut the conversation down very quickly. And uh, But nonetheless, yeah, that is kind of the, the way it goes when you're a wrestling fan still. Um, and it's funny. That's so funny. Uh, but uh, Melbourne, I mean, they do, they do have shows there. And every time I see them, they seem sold out, uh, at least the televised ones. So, or the pay-per-view anyway. So, um, you know, hey, I hope everything's doing great over there in Australia. And I will say, as far as the political podcast goes, uh, here's, the, here's the kicker with that thing. While I'm extremely passionate about politics, believe it or not, um, and you guys can decipher or pretend that you may or may not know which way I lean, um, I will say that it's a dangerous road to travel. Not because I'm afraid of voicing my own opinions, uh, but because if I was to start a political podcast, number one, I don't have the time, but assuming I had the time, the problem is that I would be in this very volatile political environment that we're in, where if you are on one side of the aisle, the one side hates the other and dehumanizes this one or that one. And you know, it's actually not, it's not a friendly thing to do right now. Like people are extremely angry at everyone on either side. Um, plus if I were to do that, there's a lot of people listening to this show that if they don't agree with my politics, then they tune out of this show and all that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and I, I would be stupid not to promote my podcast, my new one on this one. So I'd either a have to start from my podcast from scratch with not promoting it on this show or promote it on this show and likely alienate you know part of my audience with some of my opinions. So uh, I, I just stay out of it. Uh, you know, obviously on a, on a pro wrestling show, we don't talk politics as much as we tr- we can unless it's forced into us. Sometimes politics are forced into wrestling. It does happen. Uh, but um, yeah, look, I, I've thought about it a lot. I wish. I had the time to do it, but it's also dangerous. Uh, it's a dangerous thing to do because it could uh, ultimately affect the, the 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 downloads and all this all the success this show's had. So um, yeah, PJ, trust me. I mean, I'm on I'm on certain platforms that I won't name that I do have political discussions with people, and um, you know, hey. Anyway, thank you, PJ, and uh, let's get to. I think I have one more, one more, one more. Yes, yes, I do. From Chris Baldwin. He says, hey, it's Chris again from Brooksville, Florida, where Bray Wyatt is from. In fact, I see him at my job, and he even goes to the same gym as me. Super humble guy. I just have a few questions to start things off. You said The Miz isn't a main event player, but in my opinion, I think he is, in fact, when he's – I think he is. In fact, when he had his stints as Intercontinental Champion a few years back, I feel like he lifted and made that title – more relevant than the main titles were uh, once. Uh, hold on. Uh, maybe I read that wrong. He made his titles more relevant than the WWE championship at that point, which I think he's a stud on the mic. He has every aspect to be a star. He just doesn't get the big pushes as everyone else like big, uh, big, boring E. Just want to know why you don't think he's a, ma- a big time player. 
So here's why I don't think he is. Number one, the stigma and stink of him from the real world has, for whatever reason, maybe I'm alone on this. It still has not left him. I just, he's still, he, he doesn't age. He still looks like he's 20 years old. Uh, and, you know, and, and while the youth is something that a lot of people desire and try to hold on to in, in the case of pro wrestling, when you still look like you're 20 yet, you've been here for 15 years, it doesn't help your, your case. Plus you also look at his body of work. How has he evolved? Somebody explained to me how he's evolved since really you know, debuting. Okay. He debuts as the host of SmackDown. He's saying, hoorah. And he, he's acting like an idiot. He, you know, he hosted the Divas search and stumbled on a, a bunch of words. He finally found his Miz character, main events WrestleMania. And really since then, he has not changed or evolved his character outside of regressing and going back to Miz and Morrison, which is one of the worst combinations in terms of uh, just immaturity and terrible attempted comedy, all that you guys heard me ramble for months on that. Uh, that's a terrible version of the Miz that we saw. That is, that's, that's also a large part of what we saw with the Miz. You know, also he's a guy that can talk really good on the mic, but he, like you said, he doesn't ever get the big push. And you, why have I been educated or rather we haven't been educated to believe that he could be in this position because they don't put him in this position. And I don't hear a lot of cries for him to be in this position. Like, oh, Miz is underbooked. Miz is underutilized. Why don't they use the Miz? The Miz. I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing that at all. And I don't think there's a real organic feel to the audience where they're like, man, if we just band it together, we could, we could get the Miz to the top. You know, there's not that that organic feeling that that some stars get to to force the WWE to push them. Furthermore, yes, you referenced the Intercontinental Championship run, and that was I I know what you're talking about. I believe that was even when he feuded with Dolph Ziggler, and Dolph Ziggler put his career on the line, I think, or something uh, against the Miz. They had a really good program there, and the Miz did elevate the IC title. Uh, he had that talking smack moment with Daniel Bryan. He's had really some really good moments. He could talk. Uh, but to me, you know, in the ring, he's fine. He's not bad in the ring. He's fine. But he doesn't have that main event it factor. He, uh, if if body is something that you care about, he, you know, he's kind of like a, a soft looking body. It's not, I mean, it's not, you know, he doesn't have a bunch of fat all over him or, you know, he, if you're looking for that quote unquote wrestler look. Uh, but he doesn't have that, even an intimidating, thick body. He's just kind, kind of like a, a frat boy body. You know, I, I don't know how else to put it. So the look doesn't help him. He still looks super young. He's been Intercontinental Champion, had a good run with it, and did elevate it. But that's kind of where he capped. He's He was in a just an awful pairing with Morrison doing comedy for many, 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 many months. I mean, you wrap that all together, and he's not a main eventer to me. He has dances with the WWE Championship, and he's always been booked as transitional, and he should be. So, you know what? If I eat my words in a couple of years, I eat my words, and, you know, great. I hope I do, but right now, no. Uh, that's why I believe. I, the Miz is a, is a absolute asset to the roster, but not a main event. Okay. My next topic is the whole Jeff Hardy situation. What do you think is going on with all of that? I just hope he's okay. Uh, I think that he, they are, I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what situation you're talking about. If there's a real life situation going on that I'm not aware of, but if not, then I think that 
right now they need to capitalize on Jeff Hardy's popularity, his resurgence in popularity. And if he pairs himself with Drew McIntyre, that could be a fun little run for a while. Um, a kind of a pit stop for Drew on the way to Roman Reigns. But Jeff Hardy right now is in a good position. He has got more support and crowd uh, reaction in the last couple of months than he's gotten in like, you know, the few years he's been back since WrestleMania 33. Uh, let's see here. And then last but not least, early predictions for day one. There's been four matches made in the cards so far. Roman versus Brock. I'm taking Roman on that one. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I'm still going with Roman. Next, we have Usos versus New Day. I say the Usos retain. Um, yes, I hope so. I hope so, and I agree. Edge and The Miz. I think Edge has to win, but unless they're going to do a, multi pro, a multi-match program, then The Miz could win, but Edge has to win that one. Then last off, the the Beauty Triple Threat, which could be a Fatal 4-Way now. Um, yes, uh, it could be Big E, KO, and uh, Bobby Lashley. And so, yeah, they could have a, a Fatal 4-Way here, and I think they will. But uh, I think Seth Rollins is still going to be the guy to come away with that as champion. He should be. And I, I outlined that earlier in the show. So thank you, Matt, for all you do and uh, the whole wrestling podcast family. Have an amazing week, week, everybody. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Chris, and uh, much uh, blessings to you, my buddy, my friend. And uh, let's, uh, let's continue on here. I think that is the end of our emails. So let's go to the voicemails and start out with DJ Kuzma, and then we'll get to the crisis. So DJ, take it away. Hello, WWE Podcast World. This is none other than DJ Kuzmo back at it again on your mailbag show. I'm recording to you live once again on a Tuesday evening. And once again, after another Monday Night Raw has come and gone, we still have gotten Avir Mahan. Avir Mahan vignette. For the past six weeks, it almost feels like two, three months, we will be getting the same vignette coming soon. Veer Mahan. But when is he coming? And to me, it looks like the old good old vignette curse that we all know what's going to happen because WWE Creative is not consistent in terms of building up stars through vignettes. Of course, we looked at the beer cat. He's gone. He had a vignette. We looked at Killer Cross, a.k.a. Karen Cross. He had a vignette. He was gone. Eva Marie. I don't want to continue to beat a dead horse, but when, when, when are we going to get a Veer Mahan return? Whether he's going to be booked as a babyface, whether he's going to get booked as a heel. Who is Veer Mahan and what will he be doing on Monday Night Raw? Of course, you know, he got his buddies, uh, Cranky, uh, Cranky Stanky, whatever his name is, and Jinder Mahal on SmackDown. But you got Fear Mahan by himself on Monday Night Raw. And for crying out loud, WWE, when is he going to make his debut as a single star on Monday Night Raw? But as we continue on on this mailbag, I want to also talk about... We have gotten the return of Bobby Lashley. Now, last week they, speaking of vignettes, last week there was a vignette of Bobby Lashley. And I did mention on the mailbag last week, I was a little bit confused as to what the hell am I seeing here? Are they trying to turn Bobby Lashley babyface? You know, are they trying to do some sort of uh, creativity and turning his character into a babyface? 
I don't know what I was getting last week in that vignette. Of course, the other part of the vignette was when, you know, they had all the uh, the highlight reels of him as the WWE champion at the time, just beating the crap out of everybody. But when we saw the return of Bobby Lashley, dominating as he is, coming out, beating the crap out of Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens and Big E. Glad to see him back. I like the red tights, by the way. And um, I want to see now that we have these four guys. Now, I'm calling it out, folks. I am calling it out. It's definitely going to be some sort of fatal four-way that's going to happen at day one. For, for some strange reason, I, I don't like the name day one. It doesn't make any sense. But I don't want to rant on that. I'm talking about Bobby Lashley here. But interesting to note. MVP was talking to a a reporter backstage and he was mentioning how Bobby Lashley didn't get any some sort of respect. You know how he was not mentioned to be in this WWE title uh, opportunity. But when I look at it, I'm like, MVP, what are you talking about? Right at this point, we're having, you know, this uh, this matchup with. With Kevin Owens and Big E. And of course you got Seth Rollins waiting in the wings with the contract. Which somehow he will quote unquote cash it out at some point in time. But I don't understand what the hell MVP was saying that oh, you know Bobby Lashley got disrespected. I understand Bobby Lashley is a credible wrestler to become you know a, a future. On, on Maybe a, a second time WWE champion. But now you you put Bobby Lashley in this mix. You know, you tie Bobby Lashley into this uh, WWE champion uh, storyline here. And you're getting a lot of, you know, uh, some interesting uh, how you're going to book this. And like I said, most likely this is going to be some sort of fatal four-way. But now, I want to get to the million-dollar question. The question that Matt put out on Patreon uh, today talking about will WWE ever explain why Brock Lesnar's suspension was lifted first and foremost first and foremost like I voted and I hope everybody else did vote that no they will not I repeat WWE creative will not give us an explanation as to what the hell Brock Lesnar has returned for what to have a match a rematch with Roman Reigns, which we did see at the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. But now you're going to have him at the day one pay-per-view for the, okay, for the Universal title. But once again, this all goes back to the main issue at hand. And that is a lack of star power. Okay, you have Drew McIntyre. But Drew McIntyre right now, he's in a holding pad. Right, they're not gonna put Drew McIntyre in the Universal Title matches yet because you know they're trying to wait for that right opportunity to give him that push. And when they do, it's gonna be a rocket push. But outside of Drew McIntyre, okay, you have Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy had a fia- uh, a little situation that happened this past Saturday at a house show. I hope he's doing well. But other than that, how can we rely on the current roster on SmackDown? We all see every single year that Monday Night Raw guts out the uh, the SmackDown roster and we're just left with pretty much the leftovers. So looking at the roster, looking at the lack of star power, looking at even the lack of patience in developing new stars, in developing 
incredible baby face to take on Roman Reigns. It all leads back to let's bring back Brock Lesnar back for the day one pay-per-view. Let's put him back against Roman Reigns for the Universal title. So once again, there's a lack of star power, a lack of credible baby faces, a lack of character development. And of course, you know, we always have our releases. We always have, you know, people getting released for no obvious reason, for no reason at all. And once again, at the end of the day, Roman Reigns is still the Universal Champion in a field that does not have credible baby faces. And I want to draw a reference. I want to draw a reference back to the good old days of the Rootless Aggression Era. Did y'all remember when Triple H, good old Triple H was the World Heavyweight Champion, and Triple H held on to that World Heavyweight title for almost two and a half years? Because at the time, at that time, there were no credible baby faces on Monday Night Raw to challenge Triple H. Of course, you know, you had your Shawn Michaels, right? At times, you had a few with Booker T, which I don't know why they didn't continue that feud after WrestleMania. I don't know why they didn't uh, continue that feud with uh, with Booker T and Triple H. And of course, you had you had Scott Steiner and a couple of others and a host of other baby faces, but there weren't a, a credible baby face at that time. And it took them took creative two and a half years until we finally got in 2005 at WrestleMania. I believe it was WrestleMania 21. Triple H versus Batista, and of course the rest is history, Batista becomes our new World Heavyweight title at the time, but coming back to what's going on right now, you know, bringing back Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns is still our champion, there's, like I mentioned, there's a lack of star power, there's a lack of credible baby faces, and of course, there is a lack of character development. So getting back to the question, I hope I fully answered your question, Matt. Why or will ever the WWE ever uh, uh, give us an explanation? Hell no. And that's all I got to say about that, folks. I hope you have a blessed week, and I will talk to you all next week. All right, DJ, let's, uh, let's run down a few things that you brought up. And I'm glad you brought up a couple of things because I missed a few things along the way. Number one, the Veer vignettes. Yeah, um, I don't know when he's debuting. I couldn't tell you, but that is a scary thing when they create vignettes for somebody like Xia Lee. I mean, Xia Lee may end up being a big star. Apparently, she I think she's debuting this week on SmackDown. I think, <laughs> but I wouldn't hold that either to WWE because they've often said, next week they're coming, and then they don't show up, and then it's like another month. Uh, but... Yeah, it is a curse. I'd be careful of being in any vignette with WWE. As far as yeah, the poll goes on my Patreon, I put up a poll. Only one person said that they'll actually explain why Brock Lesnar's suspension was lifted, uh, which could be the case. You know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope they actually have the common courtesy to tell the fans why his suspension was released. But I have my doubts. Uh, you know, maybe it'll be... Uh, explain. Maybe they won't. If they don't, it's it's so egregious. It's so just insulting to fans that care about just about basic storytelling. But I'm gonna hold my judgment for the next week or so and see if they actually come through. And I, you know, I hope they do. But it seems as if the majority of you, other than one person, have voted yes, they will. Um, so let's see. As far as uh, Jeff Hardy, yeah, I, I brought this up early in the show. But as you were talking, I did a quick, you know, just a a quick search for what the hell's going on with Jeff. And um, 
I guess I'm, I'm late to the party on this, but if you are even later than I am, on uh, a house show, we had Jeff Hardy appear kind of having, a, quote unquote, a rough night. And it became evident that he had a, was having a rough night and he just was, he left the match and got sent home. And it, it was in Ed, Edinburgh, I believe, Edinburgh, if I'm correct, uh, Texas. He teamed with Xavier Woods and Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns and the Usos in a six-man tag team match. He became, quote-unquote, more sluggish as the contest went on and disappeared through the crowd after making a hot tag to Drew. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's not what we all think it what might be of, uh, you know, some kind of his demons returning, some kind of drug-related thing. I hope not. I'm not saying it is. I, I'm not speculating that it is, but how does your mind not go there, right? Apparently, uh, Matt Hardy, though, <clears throat> has said his brother is okay. So I think Matt Hardy would know more than better than any of us that Jeff Hardy is, quote-unquote, okay. So maybe he's just dehydrated. I know that sounds oversimplified, but perhaps that's the case. You know, let's all hope that's the case for Jeff, because I, I think Jeff was on a hell of a second wind in his career. So, okay, let's, uh, let's get to, as promised, let's get to the crisis with his take on this week in WWE. What's good, y'all? It is the crisis with your official, unofficial WWE podcast crisis trash bucket list number one. Yes, this is the debut segment, and I got a good one for you. We, we like, I, I'm not always, always gonna complain. I'm not always, always gonna rant. But the thing is, the fact of the matter is, is. I don't have to hold nothing back. I always feel like a lot of people on the shows, they feel like they, they can't rant a little bit because they're going to get picked on and they're going to be told that they're just being negative and all that. So you know what? Hey, I will be the voice of the people. I will be the voice of you. I will be the voice of the podcasters. I will be the voice that doesn't give no Fs and I will give you all all the trash moments that I see. But hey, hey, I will always start it off with a little bit of positivity. And uh, hey, my fire moments from Monday Night Raw. There was a few. Um, RK bro, anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm all in. Fire. Jerry the King Lawler coming back, signing a two-year contract. Fire. Uh, Randy, Randy Orton and, and Riddle. Oh, man. When Riddle looked over at the, and said, Randy's like a father figure to me, even though he's not my dad. Fire. Uh, the loogie that was knocked 20 feet into the air out of uh, Rude's mouth from Damian Priest. Yeah. Go back. Rewind. Take a look. Fire. Do drop. Anything. Do drop. Fire. Uh, the hand of God. Coming out of nowhere and knocking Miz down, yeah, yeah, that was fire as well. Theory versus Balor, yep, that storyline, fire. Uh, the man versus Liv, the match was what it needed to be, and it is what you you know what it you know what it is. Fire. Uh, Lunchable breaks, man. I had a few of them. I went through a, about a half a case of Lunchables, and it's quite simple. Rey Mysterio. Lunchable break. Uh, Robert Roode versus Damian Priest. Ultimately, the match, yeah, lunchable break. Anything Nikki A.S.H. related, lunchable break. And uh, the McMahon Austin Theory storyline, yeah, no, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Lunchable break. DJ Kuzmo, hook me up another lunchable. Thank you very, very, very much. Whew, man, gosh, got me excited. But you know what's coming. 
You know what time it is. It's your favorite time of the week. It is time for the trash. And we're going to get right into this. Bobby Lashley whooping everybody's ass. But during the commercial break? What? 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 Trash. Zelina Vega can't figure out which accent she wants to use. She used three different accents in the same promo. Trash. Nikki A.S.H. pointing at the graphic, the computer graphic that nobody else sees in the in, in the stadium for like 20 minutes on the stage. Trash. I fell asleep during a cage match for the first time ever. Trash. Day number 5062 of the women's tag team titles being irrelevant. Trash. Uh, oh, that one makes me mad. RK Broneman. If I have to hear that word one more time. Trash. Uh, Corey Graves saying Omas and Riddle saying Omos in the same 30 seconds. Trash. The U.S. title defended like 50 times since the last time the Intercontinental title has been defended. Trash. Uh, Priest falls into the crowd going into the commercial break. He don't look like he's getting up anytime soon. So what? No 10 count? Trash. I took a break during Raw to play Fortnite. Trash. The Memphis crowd, I'm going to say it. Trash. Uh, Miz, $9,000 shoes? What? Trash. The Miz should have wrote his promo on his hand again when he mentioned the January 1st pay-per-view. What? Uh, January 1 is what he called it? January 1? It's day one. Write your promos on your hand, Mr. Miz. Trash. And that is... Your list. I'll be back Saturday to give you your SmackDown official, unofficial WWE podcast crisis trash bucket list. Y'all stay blessed. You know, it's so good that we have other voices on this show, not only because most of them are smarter than me, but also it's just it's such a different sound for me, isn't it? So much different. The, the amount of energy that is brought to the show from other voices is just so refreshing. It's, it's a palate cleanser, not just for you, for having to listen to me, which apparently I put most of you to sleep. Uh, but it's also uh, just, a, again, it's a, it's a nice var- variable during the show to it's, it's be able to, uh, to hear other voices. So crisis, boy, oh boy, quite the list here. I'm not, I can't go through every single point. Uh, you made so many and, and really talk about things that I'd forgotten about for this week in WWE. Uh, the, but a couple that stood out to me, the Bobby Lashley attack during the commercial break was straight up hot garbage. I mean, uh, I'll use a synonym for trash. Uh, it, straight up hot garbage. I mean, straight dumpster fire. There, there's another analogy. Uh, but, yeah, it was awful. The Omos-Omos debate debacle continues. Why Why we can't just uh, settle all of the debate and have him himself say what his name is? That way all of us can stop pronouncing it one way or the other and do it correctly? But apparently, yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, th- so that was also uh, just kind of, as you would say, uh, hot garbage. And... Um, the, the lunchable breaks, yeah, anything Rey Mysterio, anything Rey Mysterio, anything Dominic is certainly a lunchable break. Uh, no doubt about it. Like, I mean, Listen, Crisis, thank you so much for all your energy and all of your, your feedback here. Very well done. Very well done. The, the, the You have a fire, lunchable, and trash segment, and it's uh, it's brilliant. So good stuff, and I'm looking forward to your, your list on Saturday. And, uh, of course, any time you contribute to the mailbag is a fun time, so... Let's keep things rolling. Welcome to Monday Night Raw. We all want to go big, then say that. Huh. God! 
just saying kind of Mark Bailey there a moment ago, but it cost her. times where videos should happen that was one of them just like when uncle chris came on the show and he had a loop of michael cole screaming boss time i could not look more depressed more angry and just completely distressed by listening to that and i i assume owen uh, uh, owen the heel uh lived up to his name this week but this was a personal attack on the host. I mean, this was, and I know some of you may feel that you, you're not uh, overjoyed by some of those clips and some of them may uh, annoy you as well. But Owen took the time to write down every one of my annoyances with WWE in terms of their phrasing. The only thing you missed, and I probably shouldn't tell you this because you'll come up with the worst one is uh, the message sending and the, uh, the, the everybody making a statement. I mean, that was really the only two things you missed. Outside of this, I mean, this this put me close to death. Like, this, um, th- this pushed my soul to the outer edges of its limits before it just left my body and I ceased to, to exist on this earth any longer. That was, uh, that was physically physically painful <laughs> I, I i had a smile but it was a depressed smile i, I may you know maybe i'll uh, next time i get one of these and i know they're coming i'll somehow record this and i won't like i won't do it just for show i'll give you an honest reaction maybe i'll do it on tiktok so if by the way if you're on tiktok follow me on at the wwe podcast by the way so but uh owen man oh man you certainly lived up to your name of the the heel so uh, I, I will never listen to that again, but it was forced upon me. So thanks so much. And I mean that with zero sincerity. <laughs> okay. Let's get to the next voicemail right now. Uh, hello everyone. This is Memphis Mark, uh, checking back in with our number one podcast for wrestling here. Uh, want to say hi to everyone. And the question this week I have, is Kevin Owens really re-signed and back in? You know, everybody had him going to WWE or going somewhere else, and he's been in the writing over the last few weeks. He looks to be back in the, the, the middle of, of everything. Um, is he back? And Damian Priest, now they have to do something with him. they built something up. They have to do something with him. Thank you. As normal, ever would love to hear from y'all. Mark here. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Hey, everybody. This is Memphis Mark coming from, guess what, Memphis, where WWE Raw was just in Memphis, and they were there in Memphis to have a great show in Memphis. Yeah, I think I mentioned it as many times as they did. 
And uh, uh, it was a great show, loved everything, but I did disagree with Matt on one thing. The steel cage. You got to have a door. It sets the ultimate thing up just like when Seth hit the door and knocked them both. It could have been done better. I agree. But it's part of the match. You have to have the door. It gives them hope to get to the door. They're trying to get to the door, man. Or go over the top. Anyway, uh, as always, this is my public service announcement. I hate the 24-7 title. hate everything they're doing with it. And other than that, staying new to your kids. And hello, everyone out there. Have a great day. Coming from Memphis, Tennessee. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. <clears throat> wait, 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 wait. We, we don't disagree with me. You, you don't disagree with the host on this show. When, when did that happen? I need, guys, I need validation. I, 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 need, uh, I need the ego stroking. There is no disagreeing with me allowed on this show. It, it's forbidden. Uh, my, my ego is too fragile. My male, free, uh, my male ego is much too fragile to handle any criticism or any kind of rebuttal to anything I say. So, of course. Now let let's let's get to the reality back back to let's take a plane back to reality. I was going to say, and um, so before I get to your disagreement, did Kale resign? I haven't heard anything. You know, had we not heard about the rumors that he was going to AEW and actually have Kevin Owens tease on his Twitter feed that he was going to be leaving, we would not know anything was up because he's right back into the fold, like you said. But. But maybe this is just WWE maximizing their asset before he leaves. Maybe that's what this is. This is nothing more than Kevin Owens being inserted into this position because they have a lack, a massive lack of star power. As actually DJ Kuzmo mentioned uh, several times throughout his voicemail, star power, star power, star power. Big problem across the board in WWE. And Kevin Owens is a big star. And they're maximizing the investment that they made in, in him. And he's going to be the one to take the pinfall at the pay-per-view. So they're maximizing him by putting him in the match, but also using him on his way out to do the favors for somebody else. So that's my thought. I haven't heard officially one way or the other if he's leaving. But I'm still, I'm still of the belief he's going to AEW. That's my belief. Okay. I want to make that clear to everybody. Uh, Damian Priest, do something. Yeah. You know what would also be nice if we understood why he suddenly had this slight character change to snapping uh, on people. Where's where the, the the explanation on that? I just want an ex something. D you know what what is it? What caused caused this uh, all, a bit of a character alteration? They haven't told us, but I agree they need to do something right now, right now. Um, okay, the steel cage door. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it needs to be there. Sure, it needs to be there. What I don't want it to be, though, is a method of victory. It should not be an avenue to win the match. I understand it causes drama, and the spot that happens once every, uh, probably uh, nearly every time that they have a cage match, where somebody comes in, slams the door in the head of the person trying to get out. Uh, that's a cool spot. I get that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You and I only differ. Not that there should be a door there. Not that the spot is cool when the door gets slammed in someone's face. But rather that it's an actual, it's an actual avenue to win the match, because it's the most ridiculous way to win a match. To 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 walk out a door, that's how you win a match. I've never ever ever prescribed to that. Over the top, I I don't like, but I can live with. 
through the door. You know what? If they want to keep the door open or, or accessible, fine. But that doesn't mean you win the match if you walk through it. You know, like, I'm cool with the, the sure, keep the door there, have your door spots, but don't make it a way that the match could end. That's my, maybe that's where we differ. So, all right. Well, Memphis, Mark, you and I will be chatting soon. I know that there's uh, there's people that want you back on the show and uh, we'll be, we'll be chatting soon. I'll, I'll be in touch uh, with, with my schedule. Obviously, as we get into deeper in December, there's holidays coming up and I, I uh, want to make sure that uh, things are lined up for both you and I, and uh, we'll chat. We'll chat. So, okay, let's get to uh, the next voicemail here. And uh, I don't know who this is. I think it's Kyle from Baltimore, but we'll find out. So here we go. Hey, it's Kyle from Baltimore. I'm going to talk about the main event from Raw with Becky and Liv. Overall, I enjoyed the match. And with Liv, her showing the video package from her documentary. I remember her documentary was really good. It was really enjoyable, and for them to add in that in the video for for, the, for her video package to hype up the match, it was good. I personally thought after they done the match, I kind of wish it kind of started the show, but the match itself was good. But I just thought it should have been the beginning of the show. That's my opinion of it. Anyway. Um, with this match, it remind, it's this feud between Becky and Liv has, it's like 10 times better than Charlotte and Tony Storm. And it amazed me that Tony Storm was a former, was a former champion, but is booked on TV not as well. And you have Liv Morgan who hasn't been on TV in a credible way for the longest time. And then she started her feud with, started her thing with Becky and she's, is more invested, I'm more invested and more compelled to her story and her chasing Becky than Tony Storm. I find that interesting. What do you think that is? And overall, this Ross is better than SmackDown, like I keep saying. But what do you think that is compared to Liv and Tony Storm, how very different the book on TV it is? But that's, get your thoughts on that. But that's just it. Thanks for Paul. All right, Kyle. Well, here's why I think that is that Tony Storm and Charlotte is not as good right now as uh, as Liv and and Becky. And the reason is emotional investment. Liv and the and the movement for Liv began way before Tony Storm came on the scene. So there's already that foundation of fans wanting to see her move forward and feel that she hasn't got an opportunity, never got out a title shot, you know, was was underutilized, all that stuff, right? That a lot of that does kind of rear its head in a lot of these quote-unquote organic movements. The best example, of course, is Daniel Bryan. Now, I also think that Liv and Becky are doing things a little bit better, not only because Liv was already there way before Tony Storm was on the main roster, but also because they're not throwing pies in each other's faces, you know, like we're in grade school, okay? This is something that the fans can sink their teeth into. They're both taking this seriously, where Charlotte is, well, actually, no, she's not. She's brushing off Tony Storm. She throws a couple of pies in Tony Storm's face. Tony Storm stands there as if you know she, uh, you, you know, just lost the beauty pageant, and then retorts by throwing a pie in Charlotte's face. And we're all supposed to feel something for that? Yeah, I don't think so. That's the difference, Kyle. 
Um, and as far as bringing that on the, uh, the putting that match at the beginning of Raw, I see why you would have. But at the same time, if you're going to create a little more drama and potential feeling that Liv could win the championship, you put them in the main event. And, and I think it lived up to it, too. So thank you, Kyle. And I believe this is the other Kyle. So let's uh, let's get to that. Hey, Matt, it's Kyle from New York again. And uh, so let's do your raw review. I agree with the whole Stu Cage thing. It's ridiculous. They should really get rid of the door. And uh, another thing that annoys me is, like, NXT War Games. Great pay-per-view. You know, it's basically two Stu Cages in one match. And they showed, a, they showed a commercial during it for Raw. It was like a Raw this Monday. Biggie and Kevin Owens fighting on Stu Cage. And what annoys me is, they basically said on the commercial, they literally said in the commercial, a rare Steel Cage match, a, r- a rare match that we have here in WWE. Rare match, really. Is that why we had two at War Games, one on Raw, one on NXT? Yeah, they're so rare. There's four in one week. <laughs> and really, if you want to get, if you want to get really, uh, into it, really it was actually six in one week because there's two in the Men's War Games match, two in the Women's War Games match, Raw, NXT. It's really six. So, if you want to get really, uh, if you want to get really into this, um, really literal, it's really six in one week. So that really annoyed me. Another thing, Big E. Big E, the babyface champion, escapes through the door, which is something that a coward heel would do. Am I not, am I not right here? Like, am I wrong? That's what a coward heel would do. He's a babyface. And he did that. Babyfaces don't do that. And then to make it even worse, after the match, he, he big ending, the worst finisher in the world, like you said, he, he did the beginning to suffer Rollins and Kevin Owens like a heel. You know why he did? It's like a heel because Kevin Owens did nothing wrong. Biggie just escaped and won like a coward. KO did nothing, and he just attacked KO for no reason, like a heel would do. So, I'm just so sick of Biggie's champion. I'm just sick. Of, also, another thing, Johnny Gargano. I don't know if you heard about his like goodbye speech on NXT. He's leaving NXT. I don't think he's leaving. I feel like he's just leaving for a little while from paternity leave because his wife can't have the right having a baby. But if he is truly leaving, all I want to say is it will go watch the clip, Matt. Disgusting. But what it, if this is his final appearance in NXT, disgusting. So, anyway, my three minutes is up. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, Kyle. So let's go through this. I, I did not see the speech from Johnny Gargano yet. Uh, many people believe it is him leaving the company. Some, like you said, it could be just a paternity leave. Absolutely. I, I have not seen it and I should see it. Um, your other point about Biggie going through the door. Yeah, that is a heel move to do. Typically, that's the cowardly way out. The only thing I can say about that, if in defense of Biggie trying to look at this to the other side, is it is a valid method of winning the match, right? It, it is a, it, he didn't cheat to win. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing shady about it. It's an actual valid way to win the match. Now, I don't like that method, as I've mentioned many, many times, but it is a valid one and a legal one. Also, they're protecting Kevin Owens a little, a little bit to make him as credible of a threat to the championship at day one as possible. If Biggie was to flat out pin uh, Kevin Owens once again clean in the middle of the ring. I think that would have kind of dampened the credibility that Kevin Owens had or the believability he had that he could actually claim the championship at day one. So there's that too. The last thing you mentioned, and I'm doing this in reverse order, about the cage being a rare match. <laughs> That's hilarious. I laughed. When you when you said that, I laughed. That is 
that is, uh, I mean, I, I, maybe they've redefined the word rare. That's the only thing I can come up with. They must have redefined what the word rare means. I mean, steel cage matches are as rare as what roll-ups or as rare as championship. Are, are they going to actually come out? Uh, do they have the balls to come out and say one of these weeks in a, in a promo in a rare championship, raw championship match, we're going to see uh, Becky Lynch defend the raw women's championship. Like, I wonder if they have the balls to do that, right? I mean, seriously, cage matches are about as rare as championship matches, which are about as rare as roll-ups. So, and, and about as rare as uh, the one time a year that SmackDown and Raw go head-to-head. So, you know, kind of lump that all together into one big pile of uh, nonsense, to put it very PG. But you know what words I'm thinking of. So, thank you, Kyle, for getting me riled up and good points. All right, let's get to the final voicemail. And as is tradition, I believe, Justin from Maryland is going to close us out here. Hey, man, this is Justin from Maryland. Just wanted to give my thoughts on uh, a couple of topics that happened. So first, I wanted to touch on uh, Raw. Um, I enjoyed the Steel Cage match between um, Owens and Big E. I didn't like how Big E did the... um, he did the big ending off the top rope, and he didn't go for a cover. He tried to skip the cage. I mean, that didn't make any sense. I feel like, you know, he's a baby face. He should, he should have got the cover. So that kind of like, I don't know, that didn't make sense to me. But the match was good. Um, I was surprised by uh, Bobby Lashley uh, attacking everybody um, during the commercial break. I mean, I don't know why I didn't show it, but it was kind of interesting. Um, I guess that this is just a, a sign that Seth Rollins will win because, um, yeah, I hope not because I feel like that if they wanted to just give Big E the win, they would just have the one-on-one. So maybe they're just trying to protect him by having someone else take the pinfall and give the title to Rollins. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, I feel like that soon we'll be having a Big E and uh, Bobby Lashley's rematch, probably him against um, Kevin Owens, too. So that would be good. Um, the whole um, RK Bronament, um, it's good to see AJ and Omar's breaking up. Hopefully we get an Edge and a Styles program, hopefully at WrestleMania, because Edge mentioned um, Styles was the first name he mentioned in his promo when he came back. So hopefully we get that. Um, I was hoping that they would do um Alpha Academy niggas, RK Bro, you know, so we could do Hill just baby face, but things like they're gonna do baby face with uh baby face, so RK Bro's definitely not gonna lose. And finally, um, Liv Morgan definitely was a good match. But the question is, will she win at day one? Because I feel like there's gonna be a rematch. But I'm trying to figure out, will she take a clean loss or will Becky just cheat again to him? So, yeah, man. Uh, that's it. Thanks, thanks, and I'll talk to you next week. Um, so, I guess that um, he's getting a, uh, a push right now. He's in segments with uh, Mr. Man. I don't know when the last time we've seen that, so... It seems like they have something big planned for him, so it seems like his next feud is starting out with Finn Balor. 
I feel like Austin Theory's probably going to go over because things like that, you know, they're pushing them. So where do you think that they're going with this? I I kind of want to see him at some point um, go up and challenge Damian Priest and actually win the title, I think. Because, um, I mean, these open challenges, I mean, yeah, they're fine, but he hasn't been in the actual program. It seems like Damian Priest, he's going to – probably fight uh, Dolph Ziggler next week. So um, do you think or can you see him winning the title? I feel like that would be good for him um, have have a Damian Priest lose to a uh, a nice little hill and then he can just um, go on and challenge for the world title at some point because they've been building him up real nice but at some point you know he's going to have to drop the title. I don't think he'll carry it over to WrestleMania. I feel like he'll drop it before then. So, Lee, I just wanted to know um, where you see uh, Austin Theory going. So, all right, thanks, man. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, Justin. Good way to end the show, as always. And uh, hope all is well in your end, buddy. So the big ending off the second rope and why Big E didn't go for the cover, I mean, it beats me. (laughs) As I just mentioned in the previous call, perhaps it is to protect Kevin Owens a little bit. While pinning or submitting somebody inside the steel cage is the most upstanding, manly thing to do. That, again, I think trying to protect Kevin Owens to really look ahead to the day one match, we're making where positioning Kevin Owens as a potential threat, you're going to have Biggie win in in a way that isn't cheating, but also keeps Kevin looking a little bit strong. Uh, That that's the only reason I can think of. As far as Morgan winning at day one, well, we don't even know if WWE is going to give her the opportunity. And actually, we I just saw via DJ Kuzmo, of course, uh, on Twitter, WWE puts out a tweet asking the fans if they think that Morgan deserves an opportunity at a rematch. So if you guys wanted any more proof that this is a litmus test by WWE, I, I don't mean to say I told you so, but I did say I told you so. But... I don't mean that in a negative way, like use our voices. Now's the time to tell WWE that, yes, this is a good move. Let's move forward. They're gauging us right now. They are taking our temperature. Respond. I'm not saying you. I'm saying the pejorative you. But this is the time to make our move for live. And uh, so if she challenges, if she challenges Becky Lynch at day one, I still don't believe she'll win there. I don't think that's a big enough platform for Liv. I think maybe if she goes to the Rumble and faces her there, that's where she wins. Unless she's part of the Rumble in which Morgan would be a heavy favorite to win that match. Uh, The plan for Austin Theory. I think winning the U.S. title is a good one. They clearly have something hopefully planned, which does result in a mid-tier, mid-to-upper-tier title, which is the United States title. Uh, Damian Priest right now is uh, challenging. He's defending the belt, but um, he's not getting a whole lot of mic time. They haven't explained uh, his character change at all. And Austin Theory is the new shiny toy for Vince McMahon to play with. And for whatever reason, he's taking a big liking to him. So after he defeats Finn Balor, and as you said, he will, he'll move on to a United States Championship match and likely win it. So that's what I think. Ultimately, yes, the, the goal, if all stays the same, and nothing changes, which is impossible. But if it doesn't, sure, Austin Theory is likely slated by Vince to win the WWE Championship maybe as early as next year, late next year. Yeah, I couldn't see him winning it any earlier. 
unless there's something missing that I'm not seeing from Austin, I think he's a fine looking talent. He's obviously a good looking dude, uh, has charisma. He's, he's got, he's looks like he's got all the tools, but boy, is he not polished, right? Like at least in the minds of fans, like we don't know much about him other than he's obnoxious and likes to take selfies when somebody's on the ground that he's beat up. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, thank you so much for your voicemails and thank you to everybody for contributing this week again don't forget to go to apple Podcasts if you want an ad-free experience for just 99 cents a month or 9.99 a year on apple podcasts you can do that there give us a five-star rating and review or go to patreon if you want your ad-free experience and a whole lot more benefits starting at a dollar a month so uh, lots of places to go ad-free and get a lot of other perks if you don't like the the ads that interrupt your show, and I understand, but it also keeps the lights on and uh, monetizes my show. Like, let's be honest. Sure. So uh, thank you, everybody. Again, if you want to contribute, realwwpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok at the WWE Podcast, Instagram, WWE underscore podcast, Twitter, wrestling underscore audio. I know. I wish it was all consistent, too. Uh, it's kind of like underscore here, the there, no the here. I understand. But those that's what it is. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll be back on Sunday night with a re- weekend review, hopefully with a co-host. I'll see how that shakes out. And until then, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWEPodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.